1: Well, it's Friday afternoon here in the Farm Bureau Studios. Charlie Winfield, Bart Gregory with you. It is time for our Friday Tracks Plus. Deep dig. Bart, another Friday afternoon getting together, trying to break down some football. Um, I don't, man, this is one, usually we can come on and we can say, man, you remember that game back in 1984? We got nothing on this one. There's no history.
0: Now, have you ever been to Tucson?
1: I don't think I have, other than being in an airport. Really? Okay. The, and that uh, would have been in Phoenix. So That
0: would have been in Phoenix. I was, I've been out there twice with baseball. I've kind of enjoyed it out there. It's it's a kind of a cool vibe out there. You know, Arizona's got like 50,000 students. It's a massive university.
1: You don't think of that. I, I guess in my head it's not that big, and I was doing the looking at the university, something like that. They got a lot of people.
0: 49-7, just a ton of undergrads. It's like 39,000 undergrads out there. And so, hey, it's going to be different. I mean, this is a program that has not won at all in the past few years. They hired Kevin Sumlin for some unknown reason a few years ago and let him coach football there for three years. And last year they had zero success. And they paid him to do it, I think. Yeah, they paid him a lot to do it. They paid him money to go away as well.
1: I thought Kevin Sumlin, when he was at Houston, was going to really be something.
0: I didn't know because here's the reason I didn't know. Because he had Case Keenum at Houston, and they came in here and beat us. I think that was maybe Dan's first year. And then the next year we go out there and Case Keenum is not there, and we just wipe the floor with him. And then he falls upward to Texas A and M. Like a lot of people have fallen upwards to Texas A and M. And then he went to uh, to I Arizona. Jimbo
1: fell upward A and M.
0: No, I'm not. I'm not going coaching wise. I'm kind of going administrative wise. Oh, okay. Okay. But I'll stop right there. But then he kind of fell upward to Arizona, and I could, just couldn't figure it out. So anyway. It's not, it has not been a great situation for the Wildcats. They have not played well. Now, here's the thing that stands out to me. They played well last week, one thirty-eight to 20 over San Diego State, and that game really wasn't that close. So what has that done? This is their home opener this week. We believe. They think they're good, and they got a chance. Dave Heakey is their athletic director. He followed Greg out there. Dave Hickey, by the way, when he was at Central Michigan, was chairman of the baseball committee. Larry was on the committee. Dave Hickey was on the committee. He's a big baseball guy. And so he's the athletic director out at Arizona. Well, they refurbished the stadium a little bit. They cut down a ton of seats in that stadium. It used to hold right at 60,000. I think now it holds like 50,000. And that's it, 50,000 and change. But uh, they're expected. I'm not
1: opposed to that, by
0: the way. Not at all. A lot of folks are doing it, but they think they could possibly have a sellout tomorrow night.
1: Well, and you start to say, all right, this team was 1-11 a year ago. What on earth can give you hope of having a good season and being a good football team after one win? Well, it's not the same team. Teams adjust, obviously, year to year. This one especially so. They had nine transfers. They have some big-time signees. They have some JUCO signees. It's not the same team they had a running ton of guys move on out of there I think 24 people transferred out
0: this is early John Calipari Kentucky when it's a completely different team year after year yeah in the the football
1: (laughs) well you look I mean I think that's kind of where they are sometimes a lot of times people look at the transfer numbers and say wow they must be having real problems losing that many people and a lot of times those guys are new coaches will encourage guys to leave
0: well and Two, sometimes there's a reason people put their name in the transfer portal. There are reasons guys are transfer guys. But you start looking at this roster, and I think some of the transfers that you see jumping over into Arizona is they see the opportunity for playing time. You know, Delora, the quarterback, Jaden Delora, Washington State guy. Of course, Mike Leach and those guys signed him at Washington State. Cowing the wide receiver, I'm sure we're going to talk about him from UTEP. They had Anthony Solomon from Michigan who transferred in. And then Hunter Echols, the defensive end from USC, comes in. These guys see playing time into the Pac-12. And so, based on last week, in San Diego State has not been a pushover. San Diego State wiped the floor with Arizona last year in Tucson. And then it was all Arizona last week.
1: Here's what's interesting to me, just picking up on that transfer line for one more minute. When you look at the guys who left, 24 players transferred out of Arizona. And keep in mind, Arizona wasn't exactly a a good program. But then you start to say, what kind of caliber player were they losing? They have 12 who haven't landed anywhere. So that tells you something. Then you've got Buffalo, Nevada, UC Davis, Jacksonville State, Louisiana Tech, Louisiana Monroe, Toledo, Adams State. And I'm not, you know, here to pile on the good folks at Adams State. Um, The Grizzlies, by the way, located in Alamosa, Colorado. Never been there. I'm not here to pile on the the good people there in Alamosa. But most of these guys didn't leave because they were moving up in the world of college football. Meanwhile, though, you look at the guys coming in, and you start to look at where they're coming from. UTEP, Washington State, Michigan, UCLA, USC, Florida State, UCLA again. And so you say, well, that doesn't mean they're any good. No, but somebody at least at one time thought these guys were good.
0: Yeah, better talent at UCLA than Colorado School of the Mines.
1: Yes. But – in theory.
0: In, in theory. And what's the old adage, too? Some people
1: say, hey, we got everybody coming back, and sometimes <laughs> that's a bad thing when you're 1-11. That's right. And so, look, it's a different team, and it's going to be real tempting for all of us on Saturday when something goes wrong to scream at the TV and say, I can't believe we're doing this against a team that was 1-11. The program was one eleven. 11 It wasn't this team.
0: Am I over analyzing this and am I casting too much importance where I think this is a swing game for Mississippi State this year. Where I think this is a very important football game because the reason I say that when the season began, you know, 2 weeks ago when we're talking about hey, what what's a record going to be? You know, this this team could have a record be really good and be 8 and 4. Be really good. But we're all counting this as a win. I mean, we we have said all offseason that we should be 4 and 0 in our non-conference games. And so you just look at going out west, the long flight out there and getting out there. We talked to Matt about that yesterday. You don't want to use the term must win in week two. You can't do that. But, man, I'll tell you what, this is a big football game.
1: Oh, I think it's a really important football game because, look, as much as we want to kind of make fun of where other people were, we're not where we want to be either. And a lot of people left last year not feeling great about it. And if you want to have a season you can feel good about, you want to even threaten to have double-digit wins. you got to birdie this hole, right? I mean, you, you can't afford yeah, and to play downwind, to a double bogey in the desert.
0: It's downwind with a wide fairway.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, mean. <laughs> that's exactly right. So I, I think it's an important game for us. Um, I look at this Arizona team, and I still don't know what we have. The one thing I would say for both Mississippi State and Arizona – and this will sound odd, because we're talking about a team whose head coach has a career record of what two and 11, okay? So we're not talking about a guy with an impressive resume. I think looking at week one, both these teams were reasonably well coached. And you say, well, why do you say that? They weren't penalized a lot, and they didn't do a lot of dumb stuff. I thought for an opening game, think about, we didn't have pre-snap penalties. They weren't doing it.
0: You know, that's what's crazy. You look at us, and we talked about this last week, about how clean we played from a penalty standpoint last week. And that's a good point you just made, Charlie, because Arizona had two offensive penalties that are classified as offensive penalties. One was a delay of game, which is a true offensive penalty. The other was an illegal formation on a punt. That was it. Yeah, they that were
1: not counting that no, one. No, they are not
0: counting that one. They had one penalty last week on the offensive side of the football. And so that kind of tells you coming out of the gates the way that they played. Hey, sometimes, man, you know, records don't tell you everything at all. Sometimes it's the ability to get into a place and realize, you know what, I don't have the talent that I need, and I need to turn this thing over. And that's what it looks like they did. It looks like they just blew up the roster. And how many times do you see coaches and talk to coaches who have the, the big turnover, you know, three and four years after they have that huge turnover, a lot of them will tell you, well, the only, the only problem that we had the only thing we should have done differently is we, we probably should have, should have turned it over heavier than we did. I mean, it looks like Arizona completely turned the program. I mean, completely turned it over.
1: Well, in fact, you look, who were their big performers last week? A receiver in Cowing, who wasn't there a year ago. He was an all-conference receiver at UTEP. And then the quarterback, DeLara, who was at Washington State all of a sudden your best receiver and your quarterback are different guys. That alone would be a big deal, but they got guys on the defensive side of the football who are transfers as well. So Bart, any other opening thoughts before we, uh, before we start to dig into our three, two, one segment.
0: Well, I'm going to give up too much material. If I keep on talking.
1: Yeah, there you go. got to say, you got to bank it (laughs) for later. Um, This is by the way, our tracks plus deep dig special. Thanks to our friends at tracks plus until last week. Bart Gregory could tell you that Oop Weems was in Alexandria. He could tell you where Gresh Howell was. I can still tell you where all these guys are. The problem, though, is they have expanded the roster. I say the problem. The problem for you and me, but the good thing for the customer, Trax Plus has expanded the roster. Man, that's the thing that's been really interesting. I start to think about all the companies that we've been lucky to, to work with. You think if. You know, the guys who kind of been our mainstays, right? Tracks Plus, Farm Bureau, Country Pleasing. These guys just keep getting bigger. They keep having success.
0: And better. And that's the thing about uh, Tracks Plus. is started out as a small company with one location down in Hickory. And now it's in five locations, three in the state of Mississippi, here between Startwell and Columbus. They just came into this market, you know, a couple of years ago. And then down in Summit, Mississippi, down in southwest Mississippi. They're over in Alexandria, Louisiana, now in Bessemer, Alabama as well and so just a great customer service. They're in the rental department. got a rental department now down in Hickory with Ryan Mosley and Chad Tillman but the forestry world you think about Ken Crosby and Justin Ward and Fred Fulton up here in Columbus and of course, uh, Ken and Justin down in, in Hickory, but I mean it just continues to grow. They do a great job, and it's a the reason they continue to grow us because it's a good product. One, they're selling good products with their Sany excavators and many many excavators, those Demiseemoff mulching heads and. The Barco forestry equipment, and so when you got good stuff and you got good people working for you, you can grow as a company. and That's what Chris Weems and those folks at Trax Plus have done, and so Charlie, I guess now time for our three numbers. Do you want to go first this week? You want me to go first?
1: No, yeah, I hate to change up. We're on a streak here. We're one and zero. I see no reason to change up anything. So let's hear your three numbers.
0: All right, I'll start low to high. I'll go low to high, and I'll start with a number one, and that's the number of scores that we can give up after a turnover this Saturday. And the reason I say that, it could be a field goal, it could be a touchdown, but you can't give up one scoring drive after a turnover. And the reason I say that is, we're talking about Arizona, that crowd's going to be lit. I mean, they, they have not seen good football in a long time. They're anticipating a sellout crowd. They're going to try to get into this game. I think we talk about the rosters. I think we're a better football team. I really do. I look up and down the roster. I see who we are. I see how we've grown as a program. I think we're better than Arizona. So how do teams win at home when you're not as good? You, They have those live ball turnovers. It's so like basketball. You know, it's one thing to throw it down to the paint and the guy picks it off in the low paint. It's another thing to throw it from the wing to the point and the guy picks it off and goes down and dunks it. That's a live ball turnover. We can't have live ball turnovers, and they score after our turnovers.
1: All right, so just so I know, because we're going to be in here, and I want to know, if we've got a third and eight at their 42 and we throw one down at the goal line and they catch it. I'm
0: not going to count that. Okay,
1: I just want to make sure no. we what you're talking about is real if it's a, a real turnover. Right,
0: if it's a third down punt, I'm not going to count that at all. Okay. And, and the reason I'm not going to count it is because we have the ability because it's our show to say whether that's a true turnover or not and I will I'll waive that one for you okay? It's like
1: the uh, Supreme Court case about the definition of pornography I know it when I see it so okay. that's it. we we know a turnover when we see it Yes we do Don't right. let your lion eyes and that stat sheet fool you
0: No All right so my second number is 7 and we have to we have to force Arizona to miss at least seven tackles with their secondary. That's their safeties and cornerbacks. Last week we forced the Memphis secondary to miss eight total tackles. Last week Arizona as a team missed 14 tackles, but only four in the secondary. I think when you start matching up our wide receivers, and we looked so much better last week, and I think our wide receiver core is absolutely legit. I think that new field turf, they got new field turf right now out of Arizona. This is going to be the first time it's been used. I think Cutting with Ra Ra Thomas and all those guys on the offensive side, we're going to have to make their guys miss a little bit.
1: I am a little bit disappointed now that you mentioned this playing surface. You're a grass guy, you're a turf guy, I am, and here we are this deep in the show, and you're just now hitting the playing surface
0: well it's it's, uh, it's the field turf it's artificial turf, you know in the old day they used to have the the regular grass out there the the Bermuda grass out there. But it takes a lot of water in Tucson. If you go to the golf courses out there, I mean, it's the desert-style golf course. By the way, I played a golf course out there one time, Stone Canyon. It's about 30 miles north of town. All right. Played it with Greg Byrne, and he cheated and beat me by one stroke.
1: Cheated. Yes. Well, I don't doubt that. Alabama people do those kind of things. Absolutely. So like a
0: holding penalty.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Never flagged for it. All right. So let me just brief detour. What difference do you see that turf making, if any? And let me go one step further. You remember in the old days, the old turf, the old Astro turf, right? It always seemed to me like new turf just grabbed a little more than old turf.
0: Yeah, and you're just probably not going to have any slips at all. But, hey, Austin Williams told us a couple weeks ago he likes the grass. He just feels better. But you just don't see slips and slides at all. And you're not going to see. You you should see pretty good footing this week. A couple years ago, now you've seen some artificial turf, even in the long stuff, I remember we went to Oxford. That what two thousand and eight, and that was the one you want to forget. That was the bad one, mm. and but it, it had kind of fallen down, kind of laid over a little bit. Uh, looked like it'd been you know run over with a lawnmower about eighteen times too many. You know, one of those that just lays down. And it was real slick that day. This shouldn't be slick at all.
1: Okay. So anyway, your two numbers.
0: Okay. First one is one. The second one is seven. My third number is ten point five. And I know we went through this last week and we talked about the betting lines and we do not condone the betting. Or we, hey, if you can do whatever you want to do, but don't take our word for it. I'm just going to say my third number is 10.5, and that's a spread right now for Mississippi State to cover 10.5. And I'm going to say right now we're getting 10.5. We're going to beat Arizona by more than 10.5. And I, I'm not saying that to be the over-posturing guy who's very you know arrogant in any way. Not doing that at all, but I just look at these two teams and just looking at how it all stacks up, we should beat Arizona. I'm saying should beat Arizona by more than ten and a half.
1: You know what this makes me think of? Back before you and I started doing pregame, postgame shows together, I used to help out Jason Crowder,
0: WFCA, (laughs) good friends of ours. Oh, and I know what you're about to say, the South Alabama deal. Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) So... The South Alabama game, the infamous South Alabama game. We are we have on South Car uh, South Alabama's play-by-play guy, JD Byers, who's great, great guy. Couldn't be nicer, great dude. And so he comes on to preview the game uh, with us on the the pre pregame show. And Jason does come on before our show. Does a great job. He and uh, Anthony Craven now. And so Jason, and he denies this. I mean, to the point of he turns red and wants to fight about it, but I will I will swear in a court of law that what I'm about to say is all true. He says, how do you get your team ready? And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I'm approximating, but how do you get your team ready coming into a game that you know you can't win? <laughs> yeah, yep. Joey Jones and the Jaguars. Yeah. Left town with the win that day.
0: Okay, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna rephrase this. I'm not saying we're going to win by ten point five. I'm saying we should win by ten point five. Okay.
1: By by ten and a half, I think we should win. All right. So let me give you my numbers. That was yours. Again, we had a seven,
0: a one, a, a one, seven, and a ten and a half.
1: Yeah, one seven ten and a half. One seven ten and a half. Hey, by the way, we are in the Farm Bureau studios. Farm Bureau. You talked to Matt Wyatt on our show earlier this week and always get a kick out of Matt talking about Farm Bureau. He gets into saying, we would just say go with the home team. Matt's going to get a little go with the home team. He gets a little excited about it. And I wonder if maybe we need to amp it up a little bit. I'm not sure if we're getting Farm Bureau uh, their just deserve here.
0: Not sure if we're earning our keep. Yeah, we got to go with the home team, favorites.com. Hey, here's the thing about Farm Bureau, and I was thinking about this last week. Every high school football stadium that you go to, everyone, somewhere, somehow, they have a Farm Bureau sign somewhere. And that just shows you how in tune they are in their communities. It's not just about listening to statewide radio and listening to this show. It's about how embedded those guys into their communities And they have agents all throughout the state of Mississippi. Just about – think about this. Just about every high school – now, some stadiums from some places don't sell as much advertising as the other. Some don't sell advertising, which I can't understand. But just about every one you go to that has a sign somewhere, there's a Farm Bureau agent that is sponsoring the local high school football. Are you still a high school football fan? I am. I'm not as – of course, I broadcast high school football for 15 years for a long time, and – you know the first high school football game after I didn't broadcast high school football. Do you know who broadcast the high school football game, the Nana Walian game, the first time I did not broadcast it?
1: That wasn't me, was it? It was you.
0: Was it really? I remember sitting in my house in Starville, listening to Nettaway and Noxipater play, looking at Jen and saying, you know what, this is the first time I haven't broadcast this game in a long time.
1: Throwing things at the radio, yeah. Who was this clown? was this guy? This isn't as good as I used <laughs> to do it.
0: calling Phil, Phil Harrison saying, hey, man, why would you let this guy on the air? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, Phil Harrison, a guy that used to own the station down at WLSM. And one of the things I love, we talked about this before, the thing I loved about Phil Harrison, if you could get a cell signal and you could get there, He'd put you on the air, man. Let's go. You could, if you wanted to be on the radio with Phil, he'd let you and me, he'd let us go do anything. And I think back I did a number of Louisville High School games. I went up and remember Jeremy Liggins, the quarterback at Lafayette. Yeah, absolutely. Saw him play. Uh, Lafayette uh, played Louisville back in Brad Peterson's day. Oh, yeah. When he was coaching there. Did Natawaya Knox-Pater. I did a Natawaya Knox-Pater junior high girls basketball game.
0: Man, let me tell you this. I've done some junior high girls basketball before and it's tough, man. That hey, if you're in the learning stages of broadcasting, that's a good thing to do because you don't know what you're about to see. You can't anticipate anything happening. So
1: yeah, anyway, those are fun fun times. So here are my numbers. My first number is eighty, and that is the number of receiving yards I think we can allow for Jacob Cowing of Arizona, and you say, all right, how do you come up with that number? He went for uh, 152 on eight catches last week against San Diego State, had three touchdowns. But if you look at big play guys, look for number two. I mean, this is their guy. This is the guy who can hurt you in the secondary if he gets the football. Four touchdown receptions for the team last week. He had three of them. This is a guy who's played a lot of football. He's listed as a junior, but he's one of these guys – who's got that COVID year in there. And when he got to UTEP, he played from day one. He has been a good receiver throughout his career. I think 80 is where we have to cap him.
0: And the thing about it is, and that's one of the big talking points right now with the media out in Tucson, is how we will cover cowing this week because they've got some pretty good additions to cowing. McMillan's a freshman. He was a five-star wide receiver.
1: Highest recruited, uh, highest ranked recruit they've ever had. They've
0: ever had. They targeted him eight times last week. You got Dorian Singer who they targeted eight times. He caught six balls last week. And so the thing about going into this game and what, you know, Arizona folks are saying is it's going to be interesting to see if State will do some doubling on cowing and what that do to, might do to open up McMillan and Singer because they think they've got some guys to go along with Cowley.
1: Yeah, the thing about Cowie though, for me, I look back, is his ability not just to rack up catches but to have big catches. So he, he averaged 19 yards a catch last week with a long of 38, meaning it wasn't – 38's obviously a nice gain, but it wasn't one of those games where it was skewed by an 85-yard touchdown. This guy, when he catches it, he gets down the field. He's hard to tackle. He, and he does a great job of controlling his body, too. He does a very good job of shielding defenders. I think this, guy, this guy's this guy got a chance to be somebody in the receiving world. He's not as big as you want. He's just 5'11". So if you're an NFL team, you're kind of looking and saying, man, I don't know. I'm telling you, this guy can play.
0: And he's a prototypical slot guy. 23 times in the slot last week, 12 times as a wideout. Now, Singer, 23 times as wide. Of course, he played 11 times in the slot, so it was kind of flipped back and forth there. McMillan is is pretty much a wide guy. I think he lined up in the slot six times last week. So, cowing is their mainstay in the slot. But that's what's crazy, Charlie.
1: And they use him in the middle Uh, of the football field. If you want to look outside the hashes last week, one, one catch outside the hashes. Everything else was in the center of the football field and the thing they do of his catches, four of them actually excuse me, five of his eight catches were balls thrown less than ten yards. They can run. <laughs> yards after contact. That was the big thing. And so as an example, when they threw short passes to him last week, again, keep in mind there were five of them. He averaged eleven yards after the reception. That's uh that's tough. Yeah, can't let that guy get loose. And you know who it makes me think of? We talked last week about Calvin Austin, a year ago at Memphis. Reminds you of that guy? It kind of reminds me. Remember his uh, Twitter handle is can't catch Calvin? <laughs> we, we got to catch cowing here this week. So 80 is the number. Now, if you're drawing it up, what you'd love to do is let him pull one of those little routes across the middle. and. Hello,
0: Mr. Johnson.
1: Let Jet Johnson kind of welcome him. So... That's the first number is 80. My second number is two. And you'll notice I'm moving large to small because I'm a traditionalist, and that's how I did it last year. Two is the number of scores I think we need in the first three series of the game, whether touchdown, whether field goal, whatever. I just don't think we can go out and be stagnant on offense on the road in a stadium that wants to believe in their football team,
0: kind of goes with the mind number one about scoring after turnovers. You don't want to let that crowd get into it. You don't. You don't want to for Arizona midway through the second quarter to say, you know what, we got a real chance to win this
1: thing. That's right. What was it last week? Five of our first six possessions we scored. Yeah. I am not. I am not even asking for that again. Love to have it. What I am asking for though is points on the board. If you told me we'd had it had the football three times and had ten points, I'll take it right now.
0: Yeah, I'm fine with that. You just can't dig a hole. What's that third number?
1: Third number is one. That's the number of turnovers I think we can have. If you go back and you look at this Arizona team, now I get it. You've got a different defensive coordinator this year. Don Brown was the D.C. a year ago. He has departed for UMass, of all things. The head coach now there, replaced by a guy named Johnny Nansen. We're going to talk about him, by the way, in just a minute. A Samoan. He played at Washington State. He's going to be very familiar with Mike Leach, because he coached at Washington, he coached at USC, coached at UCLA, and now is the head, or excuse me, the defensive coordinator uh, for Arizona. Last year, though, under Don Brown, again who people thought highly of as a coach, I mean he's a head coach now. Six takeaways. It was the fewest takeaways in a non-COVID year since at least as far back as 2000. And keep in mind, they got three of those takeaways in a game against Northern Arizona. This is a team that last year did not turn over the football against their opponents. I mean, they didn't force their opponents into turnovers. This defense under Nansen is going to be a little more zone concept. They're going to be a little more, you know, find the lanes, try to sit down in them. But I, I just think we got to be, and boy, kind of doesn't it just kind of feel like you may see a, a drop eight kind of approach again? I mean, and you think about that—kind of all started right out of the Pac-12.
0: Yep, and that's one of the reasons I said we needed to force some missed tackles because there's going to be a lot of settling in zones in this game tomorrow. Hey, this is going to be—I mean, they're used to seeing Mike Leach. That's—they're used to seeing it at Washington, at USC, and hey, he's—he's he's going to have his team prepared for it.
1: No, I think he absolutely will, and so that's going to be one of the questions: How do they adjust? How do we adjust? But one. Whatever the adjustments may be, number of turnovers. And, again, caveat, I'm talking about real turnovers. So, 80, number of yards for Jacob Cowing, Two, the number of scores I want in the first three series. And one, the number of turnovers. Hey, and by the way, since I'm still spiking the football last week on hitting Will Rogers passing yards on the nose at 450, my number this week, 390. 390 is the number I'm looking for.
0: Okay. It's not crazy. It is kind of crazy. When you start thinking about the general context of Mississippi State football, <laughs> that's right. and we're talking about, eh, okay, 390, that's not too bad. Three yeah, hundred. I mean, is that enough?
1: Yeah. You know. <laughs> is that going to be enough to get it done? <laughs> so uh, Anyway. What a day. Yeah. So that's a look at our three numbers. Um, and, Bart, now it's time. Let's take a look at two players. Yeah, two players brought to you by two brothers. Smoke
0: meats on University Drive in Startwell. Did
1: you go there today?
0: I did go there today. Sure thing. Do you have wings? Smoke wings. Sure did. Man, you're a creature habit. A creature habit. Gonna have my blueberry cobbler flavored coffee on Sunday. I hope it's gonna taste really good like it did last week. But today I had to smoke wings at the two brothers. Thought about getting those barbecue fries. Thought about getting some nachos. No, I just I didn't even ask for a menu. I said, Give me some wings. I want okay. plenty of them. And so, got the wings at Two Brothers, great place to go if you're in town. And next week, we're on the road again. Hey, come to Two Brothers even if we're not in town. But if you're coming if you're coming to Starwell for a football game, you're coming on a Friday night. That's a happening place downtown at night. And so, man, you just can't beat uh Two Brothers smoked meats on University Drive. Great people watching from the outside there, and so the first of my two players is going to be number 31 on the defensive side, and his name is Hunter Eccles. Transfer, right? And he is the transfer from USC. Last week, he had two quarterback pressures, three stops, three tackles. He only had one missed tackle. He had a really good game against San Diego State. What's interesting is last year at USC, he played in 376 snaps. He had nine pressures, only one missed tackle. One missed tackle and 376 snaps. But he had, that sounds pretty good. He had only 15 tackles. <laughs> wait a
1: minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hey.
0: <laughs> he had 15 tackles, Then he had some assists in there, too. 15 tackles, one missed tackle, nine pressures, in 376 snaps. I, didn't, I don't know how this possible. But he was around the ball more against San Diego State in his debut for Arizona last week.
1: There are basketball defenders that make more contact than that.
0: Well, he just—I guess they—they they may have everybody in the Pac-12 game planned <laughs> going, around. Hey,
1: we were just going away from. We're him. going away from. We weren't going to let him beat us.
0: And so uh, he may find new life. Is what I'm saying. He had a good game last week, and so he's going to be on the outside. And we ha- we gave up some pressures last week. We gave up eight pressures against Memphis, I think the pressures is going to be key in this game, and Will Rogers is going to have to have clean feet to throw this football this week, and he's my first player, number 3,100 Echols. Second guy is kind of going with that on the offensive side of the ball, number 77, the left tackle, Jordan Morgan. Morgan last week played 75 plays at the left tackle position, no hurries or any pressures at all. He's a solid left tackle. Now, I think we're going to have to get pressure against Delora, and so I think that's one thing to watch. I think you look at Eccles and how much pressure he gets on Will Rogers, and I think you look and see how much pressure that Jordan Morgan gives up on the offensive line, big number 77. Those are my two players.
1: Okay, well, I can uh, I can see that. I'm going to go off script. I think I actually did this in the bowl game last year. I went with a kicker. Did you? And I'm see, going. I was going to go with
0: Jordan uh, Jaden Delora, the quarterback, but last week you made fun of me for picking on.
1: the easy so let's talk about him one second since neither of us actually are going to have him as one of our two players not a big guy and I think the key to defending him is keep him in the pocket and so I think this is going to be one of those games you know he only cared it once last week for one yard um, I think this is going to be one of those games where it is imperative though to keep him in the pocket Don't let him get outside the pocket and have – you talked about keeping Will Rogers clean, and, you know, we got some big guys up front. Got to keep some people in his face, but I just don't think you can let him get outside and survey the field. So, you look at the stats last week.
0: He had 36 dropbacks, and he threw the ball 35 times. He was sacked once. That's not enough. We're going to win. He was 22 of 35 last week. And so he was four four touchdowns for four touchdowns. He was kept clean on all of those touchdowns, but he was under pressure 13 times. He was blitzed 13 times in the game. He was not blitzed 64%. And so you start looking in the, the higher graded areas. He actually was pretty good when he was blitzed. He was nine for 13 for 107 yards and three touchdowns. So three of the four touchdowns came when he was blitzed last week, and so he did a good job of kind of manufacturing things. They only threw one screen pass last week, and like you just said, Charlie, he's just the guy you can't look, get outside contained because when he get out, gets outside contained, he can make some things happen.
1: It's interesting you talk about the job he did against the Blitz. I talked to Zach Arnett, and then he said this again last night, uh, speaking to a group. One of the touchdowns we gave up, in fact, the first one, is we had a big lead And kind of the way he described it was, I was just feeling a little bit excited and was going to try to hold there about 40 yards of offense. Let's just really try to shut them down. I brought the blitz, and we got burned by it. We talked so much about the innovations in college football. I would argue that one of the biggest improvements we've seen in football is the improvement of quarterbacks against the blitz. Meaning it used to be, I remember watching, and I know that people don't love to hear this, but Eli Manning I thought was really good in college in understanding where pressure was coming from, where the blitz was coming from, and they would throw at the blitz. Meaning if the guy's coming from the right, you know there's a vacant spot. Yeah, there. Yeah, void he would the just space. It. Yeah. Um I think even pedestrian quarterbacks now are pretty good at doing that. So the moral of that story is if you're going to bring pressure, you better get there. Yeah, it is amazing
0: about how offenses have evolved now where people just don't panic.
1: No, it's it's so different. Um, All right, so my first guy, though, is a kicker, number 33, Tyler Loop. Loop is a sophomore, and here was what stood out to me about him. You talk all the time about – we use this phrase in baseball, too. Sometimes you need guys who just make the routine play and occasionally make the great play. Tyler Loop, the kicker for Arizona, is a routine play guy. He makes all the routine plays. What I mean by that, in his career – He is 17 of 17 for extra points, and he is perfect, 13 of 13 on field goal attempts. Only two of his 13 have come beyond 40 yards. His career long is 42. Hey, give me that. Give me that. Give me a guy that is good
0: from 30 to 40.
1: And that's what they've got. In that 30 to 40 range, he's 5 for 5. Yeah. And so he's a guy that if they get to the 25 – now they're in business. Hey, we
0: talked about that last week. We haven't had any pressure on our kickers yet. And it, this may be a game. You start talking about momentum builders. Missing field goals is a momentum builder. And so you kind of want to see what they do that first time they try out.
1: Yeah, and so it's going to be interesting. What do they do if they're at the 30? I mean, you're putting some – you're taxing. You don't know if he can do that. He's never done it before. But get him to the 25, and they're going to kick it every time. Um, So, that was my first guy. My second guy is the guy we've talked about a little bit already, or a lot already. Number two, Jacob Cowling. And I don't know, man, you just sometimes get to looking at the sheets and you worry that a guy can beat you. This is one of the guys I worry about. Last year at UTEP, he had seven touchdowns. We had 1,354 yards receiving. All CUSA player. We've talked about him. I don't want to belabor it. But for me, watch the field goals. He's never missed. And – Watch cowing. He's a guy that can cause a variety of damage.
0: We only had four missed tackles last week. Cannot have missed tackles on cowing. Man,
1: that probably should have been one of our numbers. Cannot
0: miss tackles this week in the secondary. He is a guy that can take it from a five-yard slant route, and he can take it to the house. So that's what you got to prepare for. Can't miss in the second level.
1: Hey, by the way, you know, we are getting close to doing our one more thing here. Uh, one more issue to talk about. Hey, so by the way, you and I, we'll be on the air at 7 o'clock tomorrow. for hey. a 10 o'clock game. we got a lot to talk about tomorrow. Where are you going to watch the game? I'll uh, probably watch some of it from Bulldog Burger. And then, uh, you know,
0: maybe listen to Neil the Matt a little bit. Watch the finish of it at, at, uh,
1: at the crib. That's a day, Gregory. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. It's going to be a late one.
0: Yeah, it'll be a late one. It will, but I'm up for it, man. I've been um, I've been staying up late every night this week.
1: Well, I'll tell you one like place. To- my-
0: people always ask me that. You know, it's it's funny when when people are going to have children, and everybody comes up and says, "Man, you better get sleep. You better get sleep." I tell all my buddies. Let me tell you this: set your alarm for two o'clock in the morning and just stay up for a couple hours, conditioning your body for it. Don't sit there and try to sleep and sleep and sleep. No. Condition your body to staying up late. And that's what I've been doing this week. I've been waking up, middle of the night, conditioning my body for only getting five hours sleep.
1: Well, that's about all I seem to get anyway. I'm a big wake-up-in-the-middle-of-night guy, and then I pick up my iPad and I start going down rabbit holes reading dumb stuff on Wikipedia and what have you, which is why I'm full of completely useless knowledge. Hey, one other thing, though, talking about where to watch the game. You know our friend Robert St. John? He's been on the show. Fantastic chef. And loyal listener. You know, he actually has sent us pictures in Italy. He'll be over in Italy and Spain with tour groups listening to Out of Left Field. It's always appreciate that. Yep. And so uh, I was actually talking with Robert yesterday. And, you know, he's involved in opening up the old Capri Theater in Jackson. They got the bowling lane. They got I a restaurant. Lanes. Yeah, it's really cool. So, But they're going to open it up. They're going to open up the theater, and they're going to have – the game on there Oh, that's cool. So you can go and Dolby 7.1 sound. It's all free, by the way. So they got recliners. You can have your drinks, food, what have you delivered there. So it'll be, uh, as Robert said, the biggest screen inside of Davis Wade. Well, that's
0: pretty awesome. You know, the thing that I like that they've done so far is they've shown some old movies. I think they had The Big Lebowski on a couple weeks ago. The Dude Abides. The Dude Abides. Here's what we ought to do. We ought to get Mike Leach one night and go down to the Capri Theater. And
1: have a movie night.
0: And have a movie night of like an old classic. And i like have a break about halfway through and then like movies with Mike. And let him say, okay, this is what happened and this is what's about to happen.
1: Now, that would be pretty cool. We could have like a round table with Mike Leach yeah. about the movie. About the movie. How would you like to record that for a podcast? I okay. think we gotta, we we're on to something now. Okay,
0: Okay. Right. If somebody does that, it's our
1: idea. Yes. We will see We have claimed you. it. Charlie is an attorney right and he will send you all kind of cease and desist. So uh if you're in Jackson check check that out. Hey, so what's
0: your one more thing? You know, one thing uh first and foremost, one of the things when you think of Arizona and they used to have it on the field, they probably still have it on the field, the two t- two word term, bear down, bear down.
1: I'd never known what that meant.
0: Okay, I was what I was going to tell you. Do you know what bear down means? Bear Down happened in the 1920s, in 1926, which is 2 years by the way before when one for the Gipper. So this that was a knockoff of this is what happened. Mm-hmm. So this this guy Button Salmon was the Button? Newton Button. John Bird was his, John Bird was his name but they called him Button, all right? So I'm just calling him by his nickname. So Button Salmon was the student body president. So and he, he was John Bird Salmon. John Bird Salmon. Okay. I'll play along. Like the fish. Okay. And so he was a promising student. He was a varsity quarterback. He was a baseball catcher. He was a very popular campus figure. Okay. And they were, he and some friends were coming back from Phoenix one night and they had a crash near Florence, which is north of Tucson. And so Salmon, uh, he was 22 at the time. He later died. And at the memorial service, Pop McHale, who was the coach at the time, uh, told the team that his last message to his teammates was tell them tell them to bear down, and so that became the cry of the university is to bear down. It's kind of like Notre Dame and win one for the Gipper.
1: I don't know that I would go so far as to equate it to win one for the Gipper, but okay. I mean, I'm glad I didn't make fun of him. I didn't know he died, but
0: he did. He 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 is he he did he did die.
1: So bear down.
0: Who knows, man? Maybe the Newt Rockne deal. Maybe he was going to say Bear Down, but then he realized, you know, somebody had already said it. You ever been to Winslow, Arizona? Standing on a corner in Winslow, Winslow Arizona. Arizona. Never been there, but I do like the Eagles.
1: Yeah, so the Eagles, of course, when the song Take It Easy, had the, the lyric of standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona, such a fine sight to see. If you go to Winslow, Arizona – I am told, I've seen the pictures, I've not actually been there, although it is a bucket list thing for me. They actually have only a building where you can go to the corner and it says Winslow, Arizona. So you can stand on the corner of Winslow, Arizona. There's a flatbed Ford sitting out front. Did you know that Jackson Brown was living above Glenn Fry and Don
0: Henley? out in, like, Los Angeles. This is back when all this started. And Jackson Brown started that song, and he was like, you know, I just can't finish it. I got this song I really like, and I just can't finish it. And he says, the second verse starts, I was standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona, and Glenn Fry just all of a sudden, like, such a fine sight to see. It's a girl, my lord, and flatbed Ford, and, and the Eagles then sang that song. But Jackson Brown actually started writing that song. You didn't know you were going down that rabbit hole with me, did you?
1: Well, I'm prepared to go down that rabbit hole because, you know, they also, if you've you ever seen History of the Eagles. I have. That is a great documentary, and
0: that's where I stole that information from.
1: Yeah, so one of my favorite documentaries, History of the Eagles, uh, but it talks about them complaining that he would wake up and he get his teapot going every morning, and then they would have to listen to him as he was trying to write Dr. My Eyes. Yes, uh, we're going to be like Steve Robertson. We talk too much more music, though, here. I
0: like music. I like good music. That's good music. The, did you also know back in the, of course, m- the Morrill Act, which established land-grant universities, established Mississippi State, you think of Alcorn State, you think of Auburn, it also established the University of Arizona as well.
1: What was Arizona 1885-ish? Yeah, 1885-ish. So they, and so, we beat them only by, what, seven years? We yeah. were 1878?
0: And back in those days, when you started talking about campus architects, people have always talked about the Clemson architect coming into Starkville and modeling the campus of Clemson after Mississippi State. If you look at Arizona, their Tucson architect who was from Tucson who was building the master plan for for Arizona went to the University of Virginia, and they created this big mall in the middle, big rectangular mall in the middle of the campus at Arizona it is very similar to the mall in downtown Charlottesville.
1: If you are going to steal the design of one building from Mississippi State, what would you steal? Because mine, without a doubt, is the old cafeteria.
0: Yeah, I think the cafeteria is cool. I would probably scratch off the Hunter Henry
1: Center. You wouldn't you you don't like flying objects? Yeah, palm trees didn't hit it with me. Um it's okay. Famous, real quick, famous alumni. Courtney Kardashian. Um yes, Courtney <laughs> Is from there. She's not one of the more famous Kardashians, is she? Yeah, she was you know, Scott Disick, Courtney Kardashian. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't keep up with the Kardashians, not to have a pun there. Um, Jerry Bruckheimer, if you like Top Gun, Bruckheimer was from the University of Arizona. He did a lot of stuff. Uh, Jerry Bruckheimer did. Uh, he had uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, that was him, Flashdance. Okay. How about that? Beverly Hills Cop, National Treasure, Black Hawk Down. That was wow. all him. And if you're a – Rob Gronkowski is from Arizona. Tito. Uh, Tito's from Arizona. Yeah, Terry Francona. Savannah Guthrie, if you like the Today Show, she's from there. Andre Guadalla. Geraldo Rivera. But here's the one. The vault is empty. <laughs> the vault is Here is the guy who I don't think Arizona's tapped into enough. And that is one of the great coaches of all time, Craig T. Nelson. You remember Coach? Oh, really? You never watched Coach? Yeah, I did a little bit. Dobber. <laughs> what was he? he wasn't the defensive coordinator, was he? That was, wasn't Jerry Van Dyke the defensive coordinator? I can't remember. Yeah, so coach Craig T. Nelson. Yeah, so yeah, Jerry Van Dyke played Luther Van Damme, who was the defensive coordinator. Okay. And it was Michael Dalber Dabinsky. Dauber. Yeah, what a great name. So, yeah, well, that's – I don't know. Here's the bottom line. We're going to get a win out there? Yes. we got a lot of fans going. We do. And they they should have a
0: very enjoyable trip. Every time I've been to Arizona, the fans have been very nice. I mean, I'm, I know everybody has the 5%. Don't get me wrong.
1: But they're not going to be nice tomorrow. Arizona is coming in. I'm telling you, I have a fear, and I hope that I'm wrong. I hope this is just unfair apprehension. I have a fear, as crazy as this sounds, going into a team who was 1-11 a year ago that we're walking into a buzzsaw here, and we better get off the bus ready to play.
0: It's kind of like BYU a couple of years ago.
1: Feels like it, man. It feels
0: a lot like that, doesn't it? It does. I
1: think we're going into a street fight, and I think I'm going to be sitting at, I hope on Sunday coffee, I'm telling you that I felt good about the 10 and a half that you were espousing. Man, I don't know. I think we're in for a game here. I hope that I'm wrong. You will be. All right. Well, that's our Friday Deep Dig. We'll get together Sunday. We're working on plans for something else that we're going to share with you. Are we? Yeah, we got some ideas. Okay. We may have a little charity push here before long. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we'll talk about that on Sunday. Till then, hey, thanks for hanging out. Um, hey, you guys out in Arizona, nobody leave. Lock the doors. Nobody gets out till we won. Bulldogs need to win this week. We'll see you Sunday.